Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here on a Monday, running a solo mission today, but that's okay. Of course, today's podcast is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Remember the deal go to builtbar.com and use the code locked on at the checkout for $10 off your first order. And right off the top, I want to thank the listeners, first of all, for always listening. I haven't done this for a little while. I know it's been a, a really strange time over the last couple of months, but uh, we really appreciate it. Frank and myself, you guys sticking with us and in a big way contributing to the things we are discussing and able to talk through with you guys. And I want to shout out the listeners that continue to send in their what-ifs. We're going to get back to those when Frank is back tomorrow. And a shout-out to a number of listeners that sent through the idea to talk about John Horse coming on board as GM of the Bucks. And how that process went down. We know at the time that could have been a, a very different summer and potentially a very different outcome for the Bucks. So that was a really, really good one. We're going to get into that. I'm excited to talk about that because I remember at the time uh, feeling unsure about what that was all going to mean for uh, the Bucks moving forward. We didn't know what was going on in terms of stability with the ownership, with the coach, with the front office, everything was up in the air. So this was a this was a, an interesting time for this team that was supposedly on the rise and, and ultimately it, it's all panned out well. But uh, that'll be a fun one to dive into. So once again, don't forget to keep on sending in your ideas, your what-ifs, any topic really that you would like us to talk about on the show. Uh, it looks like we're still going to have a month or two before basketball gets going. So uh, we've got plenty of time to get through all those. We've got some more fun guests coming up. I've been working away at getting them scheduled for the show. So look forward to that. But for today, as has been the case every Monday over the last five weeks, I guess it is now, I'm generally recording as the last dance is live over in the States. And I'm sure a lot of you guys are watching this as I speak. We get it in Australia. It hasn't quite made it across the Pacific yet. We get it a few hours later. So I guess I'm going to have to wait and find out whether the Bulls can pull off this 1998 championship. I don't know. I am I am riddled with anxiety to find out whether they can get the job done. I'm going to catch that a little later on. But one of the themes throughout the last dance has been leadership. And let, let's just say the, uh, the hard the hard-ass approach of Michael Jordan towards uh, his teammates and really everyone, everyone. Jerry Krause, the, the, the whole organization, uh, Jordan, let's just say, uh, was leading in a way that potentially would not fit in 2020. But I don't really see any point right now in criticizing Michael Jordan. I mean, I think that the problem 
with what we're seeing on social media and across all platforms is potentially people applauding and, and lauding the way that he went about it, which is fine, but it wouldn't stand up in 2020. And it, it did make me think about the Bucks and from being around that team and the leadership of this team, and it's a completely different era. I'm not one that likes to have these comparisons and oh, who's, the, who's the, the Jordan of this sports team now and what does this mean? Who's the Scottie Pippen? Who's all this? I think those comparisons are ridiculous. It's very clear that there was only one Michael Jordan. But the way that he led at the time, I think, fit the era. I mean, it was over the top. It was more strong-armed than you saw anywhere else. But it got the results back then. And the guys that were on the team maybe were <laughs> scared and intimidated of, of Michael Jordan. I'm sure they probably were. But for the era, that was fine. And no one was going to step in and tell him that was wrong. He was the man. He was doing that. We know now that that's not the way that things go. And I, I just thought it's an interesting comparison to think 20, 25 years later, the way the Bucks do things and with their star in Giannis and the way that he leads, it's not about what he says. It's about what he does on the floor. And you speak to anyone about this Bucks group, the way that they play, the way that they've been able to come together and how close they are. I mean, that's the one thing that you do notice when you look at that team. They probably weren't all that close because half the team probably resented Michael Jordan. And I think that that's fine. Back in the, in the mid-90s, that was the way it went. But in today's basketball, in today's sporting landscape, where you need everyone to be able to come together and be on the same page. You need to rely on those guys, those role players to, to get the job done, as the Bucks we've seen over the course of the last two regular seasons. You need everyone to be on the same page. And I, I think the way that Giannis leads, as we've seen, he's all-inclusive. And it's about what he does on the court. He's the first one in the gym. He's the last one to leave. He's smiling. He puts his arm around guys. And the biggest thing is, anyone in this Bucks team, if they fail, there's no blame. Everyone sticks together and he's able to, to move forward to the next task. And that has happened right from the top with John Horst through to Giannis, through to Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, all these guys. And it also incorporates Mike Boonholzer, who they brought into this franchise as a guy that was known as a coach that players love. And he's a guy that, that guys historically have really loved to play under. Bud got this from Pop, who, by the way, I, I know a lot of people out there look at Pop as an asshole or a rude guy. But you speak to the guys that play for him and they love him as well because he's the same. He has that family mentality. Everyone comes together and that's what the Bucks have been able to uh, cultivate in Milwaukee and it's been a big part of their success. Now, personality of your number one player clearly dictates this and, and, and how this develops is based upon what kind of leader you have at the top and certainly someone like Kobe Bryant, as we've seen, who followed on from that Michael Jordan era was a little bit different. He had more of that hard approach, critical approach, would stare you in the face and tell you what you needed to do in an aggressive manner. And that's not the way Giannis is, but it's, it's kind of funny to look at how the year is, have, uh, how it has changed over those, those years from Jordan to Kobe to LeBron, who's a little bit more inclusive to now the new age superstar in Giannis is all about family and friendships and respect. 
and looking after each other and taking care of each other. And, and that's, just the, that's just the world we're in now. So it's worth noting that what happened back then for Michael Jordan, I've been learning a lot watching this documentary. I was too young. I didn't live through this, this Bulls era and watch these games. So I've seen a lot of people say that you, you, there hasn't been a lot of new info, but there certainly has been for me, regardless of how many highlights I've watched and how many books I've read. Yeah, I've still learned a lot and I've loved the behind the scenes footage, but that's been a big takeaway for me. Like don't look at this documentary and then try and compare it to 2020 and say, well, this is why guys are soft. This is why basketball is different. I don't think you should applaud the way Jordan treated people back then. I also don't think that you should uh, knock the guys now for the way that they are. Times are different. It was 25 years ago. The Bucks are having success with Giannis right now. We don't know what that's going to lead into the future. LeBron's had a lot of success with the way that he leads. Jordan did back then. They're just two different times. And I don't see any reason why we need to constantly compare these, these two things. They're not the same. All right, so one other thing I wanted to touch on today, and I think it's worth thinking about, and it was something Frank said at the end of our podcast, I guess it would have been last Wednesday, before I had those couple episodes with Charles Garner, which, by the way, if you didn't catch those episodes with Charles, that was a lot of fun. He was the long-time beat reporter with the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. You can still catch him around Fiserv Forum. He does some work for the Associated Press, and also as a season ticket holder, he's got seats. So... He's always at the arena, a, a Bucks reporter, a Bucks fan, very passionate about the team, and it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to talk to him. So if you missed those, it was a two-parter Thursday, Friday last week. You can go back. We spoke about all things from the early beginnings when the Bucks were just falling out of that great 2001 run to the teams with Michael Red, then Brandon Jennings, Larry Sanders, all the guys right the way through, Monte Ellis. And then, of course, to Giannis, where we, uh, we touched on his early success, the Dunleavy incident. It was a lot of fun. So without me rambling on about it too much, if you missed it, go back and check that out. But Frank said something that made me think about the postseason this year. We have no idea what format the playoffs are going to be in. We have to wait and see. Is it going to be seven-game series for the first round, second round, conference finals, finals? We don't know. Is there going to be any more regular season games again? We're not sure, but that is something that's very noteworthy for these Bucks. because when you look at the current standings, if by chance the league went straight into the playoffs, then it's interesting to look at the seedings. The big thing with the East, the Western Conference certainly is in a different uh, scenario when you look at the standings, and if there's no regular season, then you know it's unfortunate for teams like Portland, New Orleans with Zion, even the Sacramento Kings and the San Antonio Spurs, who were all within that three, three-and-a-half game range of the Grizzlies in eighth spot. But in the East, the Orlando Magic were pretty much locked in in the eighth seed. They got a five-and-a-half game lead over the Wizards and the Hornets are further back. They're out of it. So we can almost guarantee that the first-round matchup would either be Bucks and Magic or Bucks and Nets. But this is where it gets really interesting because we have seen some news in the last couple of weeks and there's been conflicting stories about Kevin Durant. Maybe he wants to come back and play. Maybe he doesn't. The team probably wouldn't risk it. But uh, it's, it's the important thing to note is he hasn't played since those NBA finals back in June 2019. So if we're talking uh, a July-August playoffs, 
it's well over a year. It's well and truly within the time frame for him to return. I guess the concern for Kevin Durant would be while he hasn't been able to play or practice or work out in that NBA practice facility environment with those guys on a daily basis, and there might be some concern that his conditioning wouldn't be up to a level where you would risk a guy like that. I would certainly understand that. And in a lot of ways, uh, the Nets, this was always going to be a write-off of the season before Kyrie Irving had the issues that he had. It's interesting to think about, though. I mean, I don't think the Magic are a team that could, they could challenge the Bucs three games, five games, seven games, whatever. It wouldn't matter. The Bucs would win that first-round series and go through. But for the Raptors, just if there was a Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving in that first-round series, I think that's a series that the, that the Raptors get pretty nervous about because my big thing with Toronto all season, and we've seen the Bucs have some pretty good games with them, and we've seen that Nick Nurse continually is able to structure that defense to make things difficult on the Bucs. There's no doubt about it. He's, a, he's an absolute elite coach. And the big thing is they've got a lot of guys that gained a lot of confidence from winning the championship last season, but there's no Kawhi Leonard. And from what I've seen, certainly what I've seen through the season, Pascal Siakam, after having such a fantastic start to the season, as it started to wear on, you saw, particularly against above 500 teams, he wasn't a guy that was able to pick up the slack. He's not that young. He's 25. He's actually older than Giannis. I think some people forget that sometimes, but he's a guy that hasn't been in this situation before, and it's not something that everyone can do. He was a fantastic number two or number three last year. But as the primary guy that's stepped up into the major role, his efficiency has taken a big hit. And at times, he hasn't looked like he's had the aggression that you want from a number one guy. We saw that against the Bucs. I mentioned it a couple of times previously in the podcast, right back when the Bucs played. But he did not look like a guy that was willing to put the ball on the floor and attack the basket, the Bucs defense with the Lopez brothers and Giannis in there. He was restricted to being an outside three-point shooter. And that's the difference when you talk about Giannis and a guy like Pascal Siakam. Siakam's actually been shooting the three better than Giannis, but his primary game is to get into transition, get to his spots, get to the basket, finish strong, get to the free throw line. And he hasn't threatened to do that against the best teams. So I think it would be a really interesting series with Toronto and the Brooklyn Nets, but potentially the biggest series that we're going to have and you're going to lose a, a big fish in the first round if this is the way it goes ahead, is Boston and Philadelphia, the 3-6 matchup. Right now, the Pacers and 76ers, both at 39 and 26. So uh, the Pacers have the tiebreaker there, which is why they move up into the fifth seed. But we know the Sixers, 10 and 24 on the road this season. And that's interesting because uh, when we talk about playing in this neutral environment, in a, a non a home away crowd factor scenario. Maybe the Sixers are a team that benefit from this. The other big thing to note, Ben Simmons, we know he had a serious back injury. Uh, well, that is has had time to heal. From all reports, he's back. He's feeling good. So he's going to be okay to play. So all of a sudden, the Celtics that have had a fantastic season, it's like, okay, uh, how do you feel against a 76ers team where Joel Embiid has historically destroyed you because you don't have a big man to defend him? So uh, this turns into a really marquee first-round matchup between the Celtics and 76ers, and you're going to lose a big team. And for me... If I was looking at the teams that I thought the Bucs really ha- would have to battle through to get to the NBA Finals, the Celtics and 76ers are still the ones. I, I do like the matchup against the Sixers because I don't think 
uh, that offensively they're going to be able to score in a half court against the Bucks because uh, their lack of ability to get to the rim against this defense in a playoff situation. I think that they would struggle. I've been on the record of saying that. But Celtics 76ers, uh, that, that would be a, a real disaster for either one of those teams to get eliminated at. Then, of course, we would have a 4-5 matchup with the Heat and Pacers. The Heat have been, again, a fantastic team at home. How does that affect this situation? We don't really know, but you would expect Miami would be able to get through Indiana. Is Malcolm Brogdon healthy? Is Victor Oladipo at his best? We don't know. I mean, the Pacers have always seen that team that have been a little bit off, even though the fact that we already spoke, that they're above the 76ers. But then, uh, as I mentioned, if the Heat move through, the Bucks, they're a team that, They've been challenged, and, and people on the outside think that the Heat could challenge the Bucs. We'll see. That would be an interesting second-round matchup. But even for these Raptors, Celtics, 76ers, they're going to meet each other in the second round. The way the seedings have panned out, it's hard for me to sit here and think that this isn't the, the ideal scenario for the Bucs with, with seeding in regards to playoffs. So if there's no more regular season games, I think the Bucs are really well positioned. But uh, let me know. It's kind of fun to talk about now. We spoke about this last week that we, we think that potentially there is going to be some basketball up here in the future, which we know that means that the Bucs are going to get a chance to win a title, whatever, whatever form, way, shape, or form that comes. So what do you guys think? What matchups do you like? Are you happy with the way the seedings are right now? Uh, let's forget the first round. The Bucs are going to handle the magic. But the heat in the second round, potentially... And then looking through to the conference finals, do you like the fact that the Celtics and 76ers would face off in the first round? Uh, let me know what you think. It's fun to talk a little bit of basketball and try and hypothesize a little bit about how we think this might pan out. But this was something that we were really looking forward to over the last 15 games to see how this shook out, particularly with that Sixers paces seeding, because we knew if it was the 76ers that got through to that fifth seed, potentially that would be a second round matchup for the Bucs. Uh, as it currently stands, uh, that's not a bad spot for them to land. So a uh, bit of a shorter podcast today. Just a couple of things that were on my mind as the week began. Of course, like I said, thank you again for everyone for listening. You're really supporting me. I, I can't stress that enough. Uh, it means a lot to me that you guys have stuck with me. And we have guests coming up this week. We've got Frank back tomorrow. We're going to talk about Zanuck and Horst. That's going to be a fun conversation. Don't forget to listen to Nate Duncan and John Hollinger on the Locked On Podcast Network. Their podcast drops weekly. Another fun chat this week as things start to ramp up. This podcast, of course, was brought to you by our friends at BuiltBar.com. Remember, use the code LOCKEDON for $10 off your first order at BuiltBar.com. And for now, I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to get prepared to watch the last dance myself. I'll be back with Frank tomorrow. We'll speak to you guys then.